We're going to be over in the book of Mark, chapter 1, verse 40, to begin with today. There was a legend that is told of a, of a mouse in India. And the mouse was terrified of cats. And he happened upon a magician. And the magician said, I'll tell you what, I will change you from a mouse into a cat. And so he changed him into the object that he feared the most, which was the cat. And so he became a cat, and he no longer feared cats. But then he came upon a dog. And he was afraid of the dog. And so he came back to the magician, and the magician said, Okay, I'll make you a dog. And so he made him into a dog, and now he no longer feared dogs. Until he came upon a tiger. Then he was afraid of the tiger. So the magician agreed again and turned the dog into a tiger. And the tiger was going on, not afraid of dogs anymore, not afraid of cats anymore, not afraid of tigers anymore. And then he happened upon a hunter. And he was afraid of the hunter. And he came back to the magician and the magician said, I'll tell you what, I am going to turn you back into a mouse. Because though you have a body of a tiger, you have the heart of a mouse. So it's just a fable, a little story that comes along to illustrate something. How often it is that we think if we can just become something different than what we are, all of our problems will be solved. And we, we go from one thing to another looking for something to turn our situation around, to make us become something different. And then we find out, oh, didn't quite do what I wanted it to do. I tried to put this up on Facebook, to what we were going to be getting into here today. Um, I could see it, but I couldn't tell that anybody else ever could. I don't know what they changed something on it, and it didn't seem to appear the way we had it before. But we're going to take a, just a break from our series here, Learn to Discern, even though it says that up there at the top. I didn't change that. And we're going to talk this morning about having a come-to-Jesus moment. Yeah. I'd like to put that in the movies. Come to Jesus. Everybody gets all excited. They want to come to Jesus and get something done. And, uh, and then things happen and things get done and then we go off from there. But when we had the meetings here with, with Jay and Tammy, we wanted you to uh, enlighten you a, a little bit more because they're coming back. And what do you do for these meetings? Say that you have been believing God, you, you saw in the Word that you could be healed or something could be ministered to that you have, and you've been standing on that and then all of a sudden here come these folks and they say, is anyone here with this particular thing going on? How should you respond? Should you go up front and get prayed on over? Should you stay there and, no, I've, I've received this already in, in faith? What should we do? How is it that we should draw from someone like Jay and Tammy? How do we do that? How do we do that to get the, the most of it? And so as I was meditating on this to get us ready for these meetings that would be coming up, I saw that there's three things that we tend to focus on or our, our focus becomes distracted on and in a wrong way. And so we wanted to go over some of these things. And the first one we put in here is majesty. We can get distracted by the majesty of God. In Mark chapter 1, verse 40, Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him, and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand, and touched him, and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. And he strictly warned him, sent him away at once said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priests, and offer for your cleansing the things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. 
However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city but was outside in deserted places and they came to him from every direction. This particular story of the cleansing of the leper is repeated in the Gospels three times. Now, all the Gospels don't cover all the stories. Some stories are covered in one, some are covered in two, some are covered in three. And every once in a while, you find one that's in all four. But not everything is, is done that way. If you go to the birth of Christ, the birth of Christ is covered by two. Then you go to the, to the uh, death and resurrection, how many you think are cover that one? All of them. Which one's more important? <laughs> of course, the death and resurrection of, of our Lord is, is more important. But we're going to see this repeated in Matthew chapter 8. I'm just going to read verses 2 and 3 for you. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing to be cleansed immediately. His leprosy was cleansed. Over in Luke chapter 5 and verse 12, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then he put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing to be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him. Now, sometimes when a story is repeated in two or three of the Gospels, certain details are emphasized and sometimes certain details are either left out or not uh, or uh, just uh, uh, not covered as much because each one is trying to emphasize a different aspect but if you notice in all three of these the same thing here is repeated three times and of all the stories that you can you can go to the word of god we look at the centurion we look at the woman with the issue of blood we look at uh, blind bartimaeus we, we look at uh, the the healing of the widow's son. There, there's a lot more spectacular miracles. This is not very spectacular. There's the guy who just comes up and says, Lord, I want to be healed of my leprosy. He says, okay. And he goes away healed. You, you don't get much less spectacular than that. I mean, it's a, it's a tremendous disease. It was a very fearful disease. It's one that had a lot of people in bondage. And certainly this guy, getting free from it, opened up his life to all kinds of things. But it's, as it's recorded, it's very unspectacular. So why is it report, re- recorded so many times? Because in it, we deal with the same, same thing that we deal with even today and many times over. He says to him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. What is the thing that we hear more often from people who don't go to and attend a, a faith church, a word church? If it be your will, Father, heal me. If not, I will suffer this infirmity, this disease. We still deal with it today, even though it's right there in the Word of God, repeated three times. The same detail. If you are willing, you can make me clean. He says, I am willing, be cleansed. And there is not a single time in all of the Gospels that Jesus ever came upon anyone that he said, I am not willing. We don't have all, all the times that he did it, that he uh, laid hands on people or they were healed. But we have times when it said that a whole multitude was brought to him and he healed them all, everyone. Did he find one in that group that God was not willing to heal? But yet, very often we, we think this, well, if God's willing. And sometimes when we come up and we receive... Or we hear a, a call, someone says, all right, anybody with a deaf ear, anyone with 
a blind eye, anyone with a problem back, I knew whatever the condition might be, and they call that out and they say, come on up here and, and receive. And you may come on up and to receive that. But we get on up there and we, we have this idea that, all right, well, if God's willing, I'll receive it. And we put it off on God. And that becomes the first distraction we can have is when we come to the front, when we come to a place when someone has called us out, when someone wants to lay hands on on us when someone is operating through the gifts of the Spirit and healing is to be administered, we stand there and we think it's all on God. If you are willing, you can make me clean. I know that He has the ability. I don't know if He's willing. You can have it be, I've seen it, where God will minister to a, a brother or sister, give them some details, I want you to call out someone with this particular condition. And they'll still come up and the devil will still whisper in the ear, maybe God wants you to have this. Yeah, but he called me up specific. Well, maybe it wasn't for you. And so these things can come in. You've got to understand, folks, how often is God willing for people to be healed? Always. How often is God willing for people to be saved? Always. We go through this every time we do communion. The communion is broken up into two parts. The second part is forgiveness. The first part is healing. Before supper, he broke the bread. That represents healing. The second part, after supper, he took the cup. He said, this represents my blood. All we need for salvation is the blood of Jesus Christ, not the body. There is nothing about our salvation plan for forgiveness of sins that is put upon the body. It's all in the blood. He is just as willing to heal us as He is to save us. Just as willing that we would walk in healing as that we would walk in forgiveness of sins. Just as willing. All the time. Have you ever heard anybody come into a church and say, well, if God is willing, He can forgive my sin. Now, I understand some people who aren't in church might think, well, I've been too bad. God won't forgive me. That's all right. You can, you can help them out. But generally, in ch- church people believe that God will forgive them of their sins. But He may not want to heal my body. First place that we can get distracted is we think that God may not be willing to do this for me. Maybe He's willing to do it for other people, but I don't know if He's willing to do it for me. And so we come on up to the, to the front. We're getting ready to have hands laid on us and we're going through this battle in our minds. Is God willing? If the enemy can get you to question if God is willing... He can get you to stop in the area of receiving. Don't let him do it. First thing Jesus ministered to this man, not his leprosy. I am willing. I am willing. Let me, let me clear this up first off. I am willing to be cleansed. So that's the first area that we can get messed up on. I put this in your outline. Most people approach God not wondering about his ability, but question the probability that he, want to, that he will want to. Very few of us doubt his ability to heal us. But we question the probability that he will want to. So, he helps us with that. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It's not a new verse for you. You all know that one. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So, if you diligently seek him, he will reward you. Isn't it nice to have employers who write paychecks? 
Would you go to work for an employer who didn't write a paycheck? No, you, you wouldn't do it. Well, why should you show up there all week long if you're not going to get a paycheck? You want to know that that employer, you, you understand, I understand the job exists, I understand the employer exists, but is he willing to reward me for my effort? You've got to first off believe that he exists, and secondly, that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Too often, folks, we're trying to get people saved or healed, and we feel it's our responsibility to convince them that God exists. It's not. It's their job. You can either believe that he exists, or you can doubt it. It's, it's up to you. Don't feel like you've got to prove it. I mean, so have you ever been approached by unsaved people and they start attacking your faith? And you feel like you've got to defend God or you've got to prove God or all these. You're not going to prove God. You can't prove God. We believe there's faith. Don't feel like you've got to prove them. You can, you can, I heard, I just heard recently, uh, and I haven't read it yet. Um, have you all heard of Rush Limbaugh? His brother David is an author. He writes, writes books. And he wrote this book. He's a lawyer. And he wrote this book called, uh, uh, somehow, it takes it from a lawyer's po- point of view, and I forget the name of the book, but he actually writes to uh, prove that God exists. He says there was a time in his life he was an unbeliever, and he would appreciate it if somebody would have gone on through it. So I have no idea how he did it, but uh, I don't really know that you can necessarily prove that, that God exists. Uh, I'm not saying the book is no good. It, it probably is very good. I heard David talking about it, and uh, he's, his heart's really in it. He's, he just really put everything into it, and the, it sounds like he knows the Bible. So it, uh, it, it ought to be interesting to, to see. But if any of you get a hold of that and my ability to sit down for periods of time and read books is pretty much filled up with what I read of the Bible. And that's, that's about it. But other people like to sit down and read. And if you find out some of those things that are in there, be uh, interested to hear it. But stop feeling like you've got to prove God. If they want to disbelieve God, then let them go on. I mean, you all know there's people out there that believe in global warming. Is there any proof for it? Well, they say that there is. The only proof they really have is the computer models. How does a computer model have uh, spit out data? How does a a computer model spit out a prediction? It's based on the input that you gave it. That's all there is to it. So if you give it an input, you you can pretty much make it do whatever you want to. People who believe in it have faith in it. How'd they get faith in it? You choose to believe what you want. You will always believe in something. You either believe in God or you believe that there is no God. I don't know how you can believe that there is no God. makes it kind of a shocking thing to me, but some people do. Anyway, getting back to this. When you're going to receive from God, you've got to believe that He exists and that He is a rewarder. He is a rewarder. If you have enough faith in your employer to write a check at the end of the, the week into the pay period, how is it you can't have enough faith in God that he will write a paycheck for what he said? If you believe, I will do this. That's what he said. If you believe, all things are possible. Second Kings chapter 5. Here's the second thing we can get distracted on. And certainly it's part of the equation, but we get distracted. We all know God's part of the equation. God's part of the equation for me receiving my healing. He's in there. But don't get distracted and, and just sit there and say, well, God, it's all on you. No, it's not. You've got to do something too. Second Kings chapter 5, verse 1. Now Naaman, the commander of the army of king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. 
Now, don't think that God gave victory to Syria over Israel. He did not. Syria had a battle with Assyria, and they uh, achieved a, uh, a separation from, and this is the battle that it speaks of. And he, uh, Naaman apparently stood out in this battle. And it says he was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. Now, it doesn't mean they went into Israel. It may, it may mean that, but it, it could just be that this was a captive from some other place. And when they went into that other place, they found her and they brought her back. It's uh, very possible it happened that way. But anyway, she waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were, the, were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. Here's the second area we can get distracted. We can get distracted by the people. We focus in on the people. It is the man, it is the woman. And we kind of leave God out of the equation and we focus on them. That's not good. We, we'll get messed up that way. Don't focus on the person. It's not them. It's the gift that God put in them. If only my master were with, with the prophet who was in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. <laughs> we kind of forgot about God in that one, didn't we? Well, he'll hear you. So we sometimes go to a man or a woman of God if we feel disconnected from God. How many times have we ever felt disconnected from God? You might be a heathen and feel disconnected from God. You might be in the church and feel disconnected from God. But if you feel disconnected from God like it's not working, then generally you want to go to a man or a woman and say, pray for me that I can receive that. I've been believing God for this. I've been standing for this and it's not coming. We feel disconnected from God. That's the one reason we go to someone. Here's another. We have had difficulty receiving from God. Maybe I don't feel disconnected, but I've been standing for this thing, I've been believing for this thing, and it hasn't been happening. I've had difficulty receiving from God. And so then we tend to go on to go, instead of just going to God directly, we go to a man or a woman who's uh, used in that way, who's known in that way, and we receive from them. And, uh, and that's, that's fine. See, sometimes we'll get hung up on this thing that, well, you know, I've, I've learned about the faith walk. I've learned about believing God. I've learned about confessing the Word and, and all these things. And I don't really need anyone to pray for me. I just need to stand and believe. And that might be so. That might uh, very well be so. But we don't always jump there right off the bat, do we? There's other people in the body of Christ to help us out. God, in, in, overall, folks, God wants you healed. God does not care how you get healed as long as you get healed. He doesn't care if you get there in your own faith. He doesn't care if you get there because some man or woman with the gift of God in them did that. He doesn't care if you got it by laying on of hands. What he wants is for you to be healed and to go on. That's the big thing that he, he wants. He wants us not going from healing to healing. He wants us healthy. He wants us healthy and whole. He wants to get you there. However it is that we can receive it, he wants to get us there. So we say that since I can't or God won't, maybe someone else can. Since I can't get it, since God won't give it to me, <laughs> thinking that God's not willing, maybe someone else can help. Maybe somebody else can do, can do this thing for me. And I become focused on the person and less on God who empowers them. It's really easy to do. You become focused on the person. Well, unless so-and-so, unless Paul, unless Peter... Unless John, if you were in the Gospels, unless they're around. Now, everything is great on that. I come to that person and I get prayed for and I get uh, 
laid hands on until I get to know the person and I find out they got some shortcomings. And then we got a problem. Wait a minute. How can God use this one? They're, they're, they were just short with this person over here. They, uh, they just had this going on over here. Um, apparently, they don't do this as much as I think they ought to do. We, we find out, we got closer to them, we find out they had some shortcomings. And now, all of a sudden, we can't receive from that person anymore. Why? Because you had your focus on the person. The man or woman of God. You got your focus on them. And you forgot the source that was behind them. The gifting that was in them. Just like this, uh, this woman here. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who was from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Go now, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, Now he advised, no, now be advised when this letter comes to you, that I have sent Naaman, my servant, to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. We're, we're focused on the... Now, these folks don't know any better. They're just focused on the person. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks to quarrel with me. How many times, folks, have we had opportunities to minister to people and we got, fo- we got focused on a request, we got focused on something and we got put out? This person right here has an opportunity. This king has an opportunity to minister to these folks here in Syria. And he gets upset. Too many times, we, we talked about this in the series we were on before. Too many times we look at the impossible and we get upset because someone is asking us to do the impossible. We get short with people because they're asking us to do the impossible. When we serve a God who does the impossible. So this king, another example, is getting upset. He's just trying to pick a fight with me. He's just seeking a quarrel with me. He comes in here and says, make this man... Healed of leprosy. Who does he think? I'm a king. How does he think that I can have this kind of effect on, on someone? So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me. He shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Well, he came for this particular prophet to be seen by him. And uh, he ended up going to the king of Israel. Well, it's a chain of command. You go to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel, maybe they're expecting he would... Certainly, if I know about the prophet... The king of Israel would know about the prophet and he would send them to him. So he's probably just going through the the proper channels, going to the king and king, you know, he's got people. He knows who his people are. If you had someone in your kingdom who could uh, pray over someone, seek after God and get leprosy healed, surely you would know about it as a king. But Elisha, when he heard about it, he sends it to the king. What are you doing? Why are you tearing your clothes? Why are you getting upset? Why are you making a fuss? Is it because... There's, send him over here. He's got to know that there's a real prophet in this land. And Naaman went with his horses and chariot and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. Stood at the door. This is, a, this is the man of prestige in his country. He had an audience of the king of Israel and now he comes to the man of God, the prophet, and he stands at the door. Which means where he's where? It's outside. He's not inside. When he saw the king, he was inside. When he sees the prophet, he's outside. He stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, doesn't even come out. Elisha does not even come out. 
Elisha sends a messenger to him and he's still outside the house. He doesn't even get to come inside the man of God's house. And he doesn't even get to see the man of God. Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you as, and you shall be clean. Well, that seems easy. But see, here's the, here's the man. We got focused on the man. We kind of left God out of the equation. We're focused on the person. And I'm waiting to receive from the person. And he doesn't show up. And he sends someone else. And he asks me to do something I don't really want to do. We're focused on the man. So if the man, in this case it was a man, if the man doesn't do what you want him to do and you're focused on him, what's your, what tends to be your reaction? Think of it this way. When you're at work and you have certain expectations of people that you work with and they don't come through, what's your reaction? Do you get a little upset? Do you get a little put out that, hey, you know, why are you asking me to do all these things and you're not even doing anything? Now, on both this one and the one before, when we're looking at God and we're saying, all right, God will do it. If, if He's willing, it'll happen. If He's not willing, it won't happen. If we're in this one where, all right, it's all on the man, we're just going to get before the man of God and we're going to let Him do His thing and then I'll just receive. In both of these, I've become a passive receiver. Simply become a passive receiver. I'm just uh, waiting for something to happen. And if you get really tuned in to what a passive receiver is, you can pick, it up, pick up on it when people begin to talk like a passive receiver. What kind of things does a passive receiver say? Well, I went up there, nothing happened. Well, I went up there, I got prayed for, it didn't seem like God wanted to heal me. <clears throat> I've been prayed for before, doesn't seem that God wants to heal other people, doesn't seem to want to heal me. This is the language of a passive receiver. I feel like I have no role in it, I'm just here to receive. You do have a role. And it's part of the equation. It's part of the things that, that God says need to happen. Here's a pitfall that can come in this one. Everything can focus on the man or woman of God's part and very little on my part. And the other one, we had the pitfall. Everything focuses on God's part and very little on my part. They're both pitfalls. God has a part. If He uses another messenger, they have a part. And you have a part. And you've got to do that. Brother uh, Doug Jones used to uh, teach on this a lot. He's got, a, if you've read any of his uh, books on healing, he gets into this. There's a God side and there's a man side. God's going to do his side, but you've got to do your side. God can't do your side. You have to do your side. So there's a God side and a man side. He goes on here in verse 11. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, hey, Have you ever done this? Have you ever said something to yourself before you got to a meeting? Well, I think it's going to happen this way. I think that they'll just have a word of knowledge and you just call people up who have headaches, who have this condition, who have pains in their back, who have pains in their leg, who have pains in their arm, who have pains in here, whatever it is. They're just going to call that out and I'll go up front and they'll lay hands on me and I'll go away and that'll be it. We, we say these things to ourselves. Now, the woman with the issue of blood, she said something to herself too, didn't she? But she didn't leave herself out of the role. She declared what it was she was going to do. If I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be whole. You can have, you can have a, an idea like that, but don't bypass your own role. Look at what he says. Indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me. Did he come out to him? No, he sent a messenger. And stand and call on the name of the Lord his God. 
Did he call on the name of the Lord his God? No. And wave his hand over the place. I guess the place on his body where the leprosy was. And heal the leprosy. So the whole time he's got this idea. All right, he's going to come out. He's going to stand before me. He's going to call on the name of his God. He's going to wave his hand over the place where the leprosy is. And the leprosy is going to be healed. This is what he's thinking. I mean, is that far off? Is, is that an outlandish thing to be thinking? It's not. It's not that really that far off the thing to do. I, but there's no role in there for him. He doesn't have to do anything. He just makes the trip. He just comes on out. We saw this with the nobleman's son. When the nobleman came to Jesus and said, I need you to come to my house. My son is sick and going to die. And Jesus' response to him was, Oh, faithless generation, you seek a sign. Man, kind of, kind of nasty with the man, nobleman's son. And he says, says to him, Go your way. Your son lives. Now understand, there's no cell phones. There's no text messaging. There's no email. There's no Western Union. There's nothing. There's no way to get a hold of anybody back home. Only thing he can do is turn around and go. And he turns around and he makes a trip. He walks on. on but it's a, it's a day's trip. He won't find anything out until he gets there. He had a preconceived idea about what was going to happen, didn't he? I'm going to come here to get Jesus. I'm going to ask Jesus to come over to my house and lay hands on my son. He's going to follow me in the day trip to go all the way back here to where my son is. He's going to lay hands on him and my son's going to live. He even declared it. You, you come and lay your hands on him, he'll live. You come and lay your hands on him, he'll live. And Jesus said, No. Not going to do it. You go on back, your son lives. And he did. That was a, that was a hard move for him to do. You got to know that. It was a hard move for him to do. But here you got Naaman. He's already got it all laid out. What's going to happen? We've done this too. We sometimes think this way. Well, I'm going to go up front. They're going to lay hands on me. I'm going to feel electricity go through my body. I'm going to get zapped and I'm going to fall to the floor. And when I get up, the pain's going to be gone. Right? That's what we're thinking. We got this thing going on. And we going up there and we get hands laid on us and there's no electricity. And there's no falling on the floor. And I didn't really feel anything at all. And I walk on back to my seat and I say, Glory to God, I'm healed. <laughs> now we get upset. But God, I came to the meeting. I went up to the front. I asked for prayer. Nothing happened. Hmm. Surely he will come out to me, stand and call in the name of the Lord his God, and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abana and the Farfar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And now we're going to question about his, his uh, methods. Why the Jordan? What's up with the Jordan? It's a muddy river. It's a dirty river. Why do I want to go into Jordan? And wash off in the Jordan. I got much better rivers. It's kind of like if we were around here, you know, uh, go down to the Schuylkill. Oh, the Schuylkill. Oh, it's dirty. It's oily. It's, oh, I, the Schuylkill. Go into the Schuylkill River. Don't you know there's much better rivers? Much better places? We got a nice little, little stream right on over here. 
I can just go into that one. Why do I have to go down to the Schuylkill? Ugh. Yep, well, he's got this problem. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more than when he says to you, wash and be clean? Now, this is a testimony to Naaman. He can listen to people that are under him. You ever had bosses that can't listen to people that are under him? This is the guy who can listen to people that are under him. That's a good quality to have. Sometimes they can see things a little more clear. How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Why seven times? Well, seven times is God's number. I mean, they walked around Jericho for seven days. On the seventh day, they walked around it seven times. It's just God's number. It just, he just likes the number seven. I don't know about that. Maybe it was that he just likes the number seven in this one. I think it took seven times for his heart to get right. I think the first time he went in there, he said, man, I can't stay. Look how dirty this river. Oh, this is awful. I feel terrible coming out of there. He goes in there a second time and, oh, man, I can't believe I got to come in here again. And the third time and fourth time and fifth time, maybe he's, uh, he's starting to get, wow, I'm almost to seven times now. Maybe he's starting to get there. I think by the time he got to the seventh time, his heart was right. And God could do something about it. Because that's a pretty tough heart to get past. So God says, once he does it seven times, he gets to that seventh time, we're going to be okay. If he bells out at four or five, he just never got his heart right. But if he makes it all the way through the seven times, we're going to see him. He's going to, he's going to do okay. Isn't it amazing how God often has us do the very thing that challenges our hang-up? Remember the, uh, just looked at this one, the man who was in front of the, the pool, pool of Bethsaida, and Jesus comes to him, what's up? And he says to him, well, I wouldn't get to jump in the pool, but I can't get myself in there. And somebody else gets uh, there before me. So he's already told him, my hang-up is I can't get up. He's already told him that. And so what's he say to him? Rise, take up your bed, and walk. just told you I can't do that. He didn't. He, he's given him a challenge that's on the very area that he feels he can't do. On his hang-up. So it, takes a, it puts the role into him. I did my part. Now it's up to you. You're going to rise, take off your bed and walk? Are you going to dip in the Jordan River seven times? So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his aides, and came and stood before him, and he said, Indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now therefore, please take a gift from your servant. But he said, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. So he sees the man of God after the miracle. He doesn't see the man of God before. Some of that might just be Jewish protocol, which means that the uh, prophet wouldn't be in front of the, the, the leper or, or around where the leper was. They weren't supposed to be touched by them. And some of it might just uh, have been that. But it seemed like it's working on Naaman's preconceived ideas. I thought he would come out, stand before me, wave his He didn't say touch him. He just said wave his hand over. And uh, he didn't do it. He went after another way. Sometimes, folks, we can get focused on the method 
We don't like the method. I thought he would lay hands on me. I thought electricity would go through my body. I thought I would fall to the floor. And when I got up, I would be healed. And all he did was came over to me and he just spoke something to me. All he did was he came over to me and he told me to move something. All he did was come over to me and say, you're healed. That's not what I thought would happen. And we rejected on that. We get focused on the majesty, the man, or the method. And we forget that it all comes into play. It all works together. There's the majesty. There's God that is behind it. There's the man that God has put the gift into, man or woman. That God has put that gift into. There is the method in which they will call out. And for Jesus, the method was not always the same. Sometimes it was go present yourself to the priest. Sometimes it was rise, take up your bed and walk. Sometimes it was stretch forth your hand. Sometimes it was spit on the ground and make mud. Sometimes it was your sins are forgiven. It was different. But they all had an expectation of what the method would be. And they would be a they would have a problem with that. So, how should we receive? This isn't in your outline, but I didn't give you this one. The pitfall on this, this last one is that everything can focus on God's part and very little on mine. Generally, whenever the method is given by God, it is something that begins to stir your faith. It is something that moves you off of your preconceived ideas. It is something that gets you to engage what you feel that you cannot do. Whatever it might be. And it's your, it's your response to it. You're going to have that come to Jesus moment. When that thing is, is stated, sometimes when the gift of God comes upon a person, a man or a woman of God, and they may say to you, do this. Your time for obeying is then. Don't go home. I'll do it when I get home. You lost it. You lost that opportunity. The man at the pool, when was his time to obey? Then, when Jesus said it. The man who got lowered down on the roof, when was his time to obey? Rise, take up your bed and walk. At that moment. Now, you guys, take me back up. I'm going to go home. I'm going to try this walking thing out. When Peter and John came to the beautiful gate and they reached down and they grabbed the man and they said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. When was the time for him to rise up and walk? Right then. Right then, when Jesus came walking by in the area where the woman with the issue of blood was, when was her time to go and reach out and touch the hem of his garment? Oh, he's here now. You know what? I wish he wouldn't have picked today. I've got all these other things going on. We've got some pressing matters. It's just not a good day today. Maybe he'll come back tomorrow. When the Syrophoenician woman heard that Jesus was around and she came and she worshipped him, Maybe it wasn't a good time for her either. But this is when Jesus was coming. And he set his face to Jerusalem. Was he coming back? Probably not coming back. When they said, roll the stone away. When was the time to roll the stone away? Well, okay, we'll do that. But let us first go out and get, we got some professional stone rollers. Let us go out there and get those. He didn't, he, no, roll the stone away. You, you do it now. You, you do that now. When Jesus saw the opportunity to reach into the coffin and bring the man out who was dead. And it came up on the inside of him. He was moved with compassion, the Word of God says. He saw the widow woman. She didn't do anything. But he was moved with compassion. 
And so he goes up into the coffin. He opens it up and he reaches in and he pulls them out. When was the time to do that? Then or after they buried them in the ground? It was then, wasn't it? That's what you got. You got to go after it then. How many times in the Word of God do we see this? Blind Bartimaeus, when he heard that Jesus was passing by, he stood up with a loud voice, said, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And the people told him to be quiet. And he said all the more, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus called him over and they said, hey, he's calling for you. What would you have me do for you? That I may receive my sight. We saw in the story that he took his blind cloak and threw it away. I won't need this anymore. And he got before Jesus. That I may receive my sight. So many, we can go through all of them and look at this. There's that come to Jesus moment. That time when something is said and you need to do it. It's not always spoken by a man or a woman of God. Sometimes it just comes up in your spirit. Do this. Go now. And you do it. So here we go. How should we, how should we receive? No matter the source, whether the healing comes from God to us, whether it comes through a gift that He put into a man or a woman, whether it comes through whatever method He says, to, I want you to go out there and dip in the Jordan, whatever way it comes to us, it is our faith that increases opportunity and success. No matter the source, it is our faith that increases opportunity and success. Your faith increases your opportunity. Your faith increases your success. When the disciples had some success with their faith, Jesus said to them, where is your faith when they failed? Why did you doubt? They had it. They could get there. Our faith increases opportunity and success. So here we go. When we come to God... To receive. When we come to receive something, I need to receive healing, I need to receive a financial miracle, I need to receive wisdom. Whatever it is, you need, you're coming to God, I need to receive something. We've all been in a place where we need to receive something from God. When we come, first off, we approach God, not man. We approach God, not man. Just so you can remember these things. Four things I want you to keep in mind whenever you're coming. Four things. A, B, C, D. If you want to put that in there just to help you to remember this. First off, approach God, not man. Even when you come up and it's going to be a man or a woman of God with the gift of the Spirit in them that they're operating under or a word of knowledge has come upon them or something, is, you're, you're coming to God, not to them. So their shortcomings should not distract you. You come to God, not to man. God is going to minister through a man or a woman, but you come to God, not man. The second, and Jay was talking about this, and sometimes I can even... Uh, forget this and I know sometimes we, we all do this be quiet and listen when you come up before and, and a man or a woman of God is going to lay hands on you be quiet just think of what God says to Peter on the transfiguration this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased listen to him listen when you come up to receive from God and a man or a woman of God is ready to lay hands on you don't be sitting there praying don't sit there and pray. That is not the time to pray. There is a time to pray and there is not a time to pray. That is not a time to pray. You ought to be prayed up by the time you got there. If you're not, it's too late. Don't be sitting there praying. If you're praying, you're not listening. Well, that was right. 
If you're praying, you're not listening. What do you need to listen for? Because I need to, if he says to do something, I need to be ready to do it. What if I'm over here praying, Oh, Lord God, oh, Lord God, thank you, Lord Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. And all of a sudden, the man or woman of God says, Take up your bed and walk. What? Huh? I, I, I didn't catch that. What would you say? Is, he, is Jesus going to say it again? Can you imagine if one of those guys, you know, stretch forth your hand, huh? They, they didn't do it. No, you need to be, you need to be ready. When you, when you come up and you get hands, I want your eyes open. Jesus t- said to the disciples, we just looked at it last time, watch and pray. Watch and pray. Always watch and pray. Watch. Be watching. Just watch what's going on. You won't distract God. He's okay. He's all right with being watched. Sit in there and watch what's going on. All right, they're getting ready to come to me. I'm ready. Whatever he says, I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to do it. And they come on up. You're, you see, you're on edge. You're, you're ready. As soon as they, they say jump, I'm going to jump. My body says I can't jump. Doesn't matter. If he says jump, I'm going to jump. If he says holler, I'm going to holler. If he says dance, I'm going to dance. Whatever it is, he says, I'm ready. I'm ready. I am, I'm, saying I'm in that mode. I'm in that mode. Whatever he says to me, I'm going to do it. If God speaks to my spirit, I'm going to do it. If God speaks to him, if God speaks to her, and they say, do this, I'm going to do it. I am ready. But if I'm over here and I'm talking to God and I'm praying to God or I'm praying in the spirit or I'm praying in tongues and I'm just, just praying, 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 I'm not going to receive anything because I, I can't hear. I need to listen. What's going on? No, don't feel like you've got to close your eyes. Get all spiritual. God gives things to spiritual people. <laughs> Real spiritual right now. Just kind of float. No, you don't have to do that. There's nobody floating in the Bible. They were all very aware of what was going on around them. I mean, some of them are hollering, screaming, shouting, Jesus! Here! Here I am! They're very aware of what's going on. Be aware of what's going on. If you're next, then get ready. Don't be sitting there, oh, he just hit me on the head. No. Open up your eyes. It is okay to watch and pray. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. First time Jesus came to the disciples, said, uh, before he left them, he said, watch with me. The second time he came to them, he said, watch and pray. Watch and pray. It's okay to watch and pray. And have your eyes open and pray. Try this out sometime. Have a conversation with your spouse and close your eyes. <laughs> Give it a shot. See how, see how it works for you. <laughs> Go ahead and do it. If you can have a conversation with your spouse with your eyes open, you can have a conversation with God with your eyes open. Hey, absolutely. So approach God, not man. Be quiet and listen. Second one. Third one, catch or receive through faith, not methods. Catch or receive through faith and not method. I have faith in God. I have faith that what He says to me, I can do it. And that if I do what He says to me to do, it will come about. Going back to Mary's words, whatever He says to you, do it. it. Don't sit there and question it. Do it. Catch or receive. I'm putting that there, catch, because first off, it worked out with the C better than the received did. But the other part is, remember that image we gave you before? 
How do you know that you've received something? Give you the image of the catcher. And when that catcher receives that baseball and that player is coming home trying to score, that catcher's got the baseball and he wants to put the tag on the runner coming in and there's a collision. And after the collision, what is the umpire looking for? Does the catcher still have the ball? If you, you know you've received, if after you've been hit with tests and trials, you still have the ball. That's how you know. How do you know you received it? Because testing and trial came and I didn't let go. No, I've, I'm still healed. I still got my, I still received that thing from Jesus. It's still mine. You don't let it go. Too many Christians, they got there, they came to the meeting, they got hands laid on them, something changed in their body, something changed in their mind, something changed in their life, and they went off from there, and the next day they felt something. The next day they faced something. And what do they do? Oh, I guess I didn't receive it. Then it's gone. When turmoil comes, you hang on to it. You don't let it go. Catch or receive through faith, not methods. I'm going to read a, a couple of uh, things here for you. I'm just going to read them real quick. Matthew 5:34, And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Saying this to the woman with the issue of blood. Daughter, whose faith? Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Blind Bartimaeus, Mark chapter 10, verse 52. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. In Luke chapter 7, verse 50, the woman who anointed Jesus. And the woman said to the, and he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The ten lepers in Luke chapter 17, verse 19, and he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Who's involved here? They're involved. Now, these are times when Jesus specifically pointed to their involvement. There's other times we saw they were involved, but he didn't necessarily point to it. Each time that they got up and took up their bed and walked, were they not involved? When the man with the withered hand stretched forth his hand, was he not involved? When the leper went and washed in the River Jordan, was he not involved? You are involved in whatever it is that you receive from God. Do not take yourself out of the equation. You are involved. God's involved. The man or woman he's, he's ministering through is involved. There's going to be a, something he says to do. That's involved. And then you are involved. All four of those things are going on. Don't ever focus on just one of them. It's not the man or woman of God. Well, it's just up to them. If they have that anointing on them, then you know it'll, it'll happen. Here's the last one. Do whatever is said, not what you thought. Do whatever is said, not what you thought. This is why it's real important for you to listen. What does God say to do? Not what you thought to do. What did He say to do? What should you do? What He says, not what you thought. Now sometimes the Spirit of God will come up and just say, go up and get prayed for. What should you do? Let me take that home and pray on that for a little while and just see. Maybe uh, just make sure I'm, I'm, you know, I can come back to the meeting tomorrow night. 
means going on tomorrow night. I'll come back tomorrow night. I'm just going to take that home and just, you know, make sure that I, I know. No, why does the Spirit of God say, go up and get prayed for? The time does it go now? See, too often we, we're, we're trying to be sure, and in being sure, we miss God. Whatever He says to you, do it. Imagine that the, the guys are filling up the water pots. Whatever He says to you, do it. Fill up the water pots with water. Okay, we'll have it done by tomorrow. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. And they, again, they didn't just turn the hose on and fill that thing up. They had to go down and get the water in buckets and bring it in. That took some effort. They were involved. You are going to be involved. God is going to engage you. He's going to do something that's going to get you out of your comfort zone. He's going to do something that's going to challenge your faith. He's going to do something. He's going to move you in a place to be healed, to be set free. You need to listen. God wants you well. It is very possible in the Word of God that you don't need anyone at all. All you need to do is read in the Word of God, it says, I'm healed, and you can believe it and go on from there. Absolutely. No doubt about it. But there are times, folks, we're not, we're not there yet. I'm not believing that. All things are possible to him that believes. But I, I'm just not sure. And so that to help us get past that, he's put gifts in the body of Christ. And these gifts are able to transcend a lot of the hang-ups that you have to get healed. The man who was carried in, lowered down to the roof, how many of y'all know he wanted to be healed a whole lot sooner than the day he was? The man who was... In the, the pool of Bethesda, how many of y'all know he wanted to be healed a whole lot sooner than what he was? The man who was lame from his mother's womb, who was at the beautiful gate, Peter and John ministered to? All those years, decades, how many of y'all know he wanted to be healed a whole lot sooner than he was? Why did he wait until then? Abraham waited 25 years for our son to be born. Why did God wait 25 years? Because it took 25 years to get Abraham ready. It took 25 years to get him to that place. we got these meetings coming up in two, a uh, week and a half. Are you ready? What is it that you need? What is it you're having a hard time busting through? Those things are what God puts gifts in the body of Christ for. To help you bust through whatever it is. Well, I don't want people to know that I can't get this on my own. Hmm. What's that sound like? Got a little bit of pride going on there. We got to get rid of that. We don't need that going on. Listen. Father God, you know this is the thing that, that I want. More than anything. I'm putting my faith out there. I'm putting my belief out there. I haven't received this on my own. But sometimes... We can get ourselves into a place where, all right, I didn't receive that on my own, but I can receive it from them. I can, I see what God has been doing through Jesus. I see what God has been doing through Elisha. I see what God has been doing through Peter. And I think if I just get in front of Peter, if I just get in front of Jesus, if I just get in front of Elisha, I know this thing will go. Then it does. Get your faith going on that thing right now. Say, I, I know this is going to go. I know that I'm going to receive what it is that I need to receive. I am ready. I am ready. Now, make sure that you are, once you receive, 
you're ready to hang on to it. Brother Naz ministered some great things before on hanging on to what it is that God gave you. you got to make sure that you do those things. Don't let it go. When you get it, don't let it go. Hang on to it. It's yours. It's yours to be had. Would you all stand up with me? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we we thank you for the gifts and the things you have put into the body of Christ to help us receive what it is that we need to receive. To help us overcome what it is that's holding us back. All these things are part of what you put together to bring about a healing for your, your people. There is our God. There is His servants. There is whatever it is that they say to do and the method that you give them to do which will challenge our faith, move us into a place to receive. And then there's our part, doing whatever it is that you said to do. Father, we put all those things in practice. We will receive what it is that we're asking for. We thank you for the help that you give us in it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We have some praise reports to uh, hear. If you don't have your praise report in, you can write it up real quick and give that to one of our ushers. Do I have everybody's? This is from Ray. He says, I was blessed to share breakfast with a greatly blessed brother and best friend. He said, the restaurant also baked fresh scones for me while we were there. (laughs) Put his order in, right? (laughs) Candy says, my landlord came through his hip surgery. Um, Excuse me, it went great. She said he was walking the same day. Um, He thanks our church for all the prayers, and Jesus is our healer. Amen. Mm -hmm. Corey, he says, uh, my year-long online program is now complete, and I have received my certificate in screenwriting. Praise God. He says, I'm now on to the application process for my master's degree. Amen. Hmm. Praise God. Vanessa says, I thank God for freedom, for a closer walk with him, and for the changes he's making in my life. <laughs> Praise God. We just talked about that yesterday, how God, Jesus didn't come just to, um, to bless us, but he came to transform us. Amen. Make us like him. Um, Daryl says, God's given me the opportunity to speak into the lives of several people in desperate need of the kind of hope that only Jesus can provide. Mm. Amen. Like that seed sown. and um, We have some prayer requests. Yes, we do. Do we have any other prayer requests? For? Nope.